Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, we're having torrential rain here where I live in Australia, so if you can hear the pitter-patter of what sounds like rain in the background, well, yes, that is rain. We're also having power surges, so it's going to be fun to see if we get through this record, but I'm going to give it a crack anyway. So let's get started. This week's story is Rumpelstiltskin, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were sitting at the bus stop, waiting for the bus to come and take them home. They hadn't intended to go so far, but Nanny Piggins had been walking them home from school when she spotted an ice cream van. Now, it just so happened that Nanny Piggins was dressed as a pirate at the time. You see, they'd had career day at the school, and the school encouraged everyone to dress up as the profession they hoped to pursue. Nanny Piggins had not realised that by Everyone, the school simply meant the students, so she had dressed up as well. The children had tried explaining this to her, but it's very hard to explain something to someone who is determined not to understand, especially when that someone really, really likes dressing up as a pirate. The problem was that Nanny Piggins enjoyed the costume so much, she got caught up in the character. So when she saw the ice cream van, she had a rush of blood to the head and decided to board that thar vassal and plunder all its loot, which meant in this case, eat all the ice cream. Now, the man driving the ice cream van had had a very dull day. His boss had sent him to park outside a retirement home, and the matron in charge wouldn't let any of the residents come out and buy ice cream because they had been bad. She'd caught them whacking the heads off dahlias with their croquet mallets. The ice cream van driver knew his boss would yell at him if he went back to the yard, having not sold a single scoop. So when a fabulously glamorous pig, dressed up as a swashbuckling pirate, leapt out in front of his van, drew out her sword, made from the cardboard she'd cut out of a cereal box, and declared that she was commandeering his vehicle, and if he didn't do as he was told, she would make him walk the plank, he decided to go along with it. Being hijacked by a crazy pig would make an excellent excuse for his poor sales, so he immediately surrendered and allowed Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children to board his vessel and set sail for a sheltered cove, which meant a quiet street where they could eat all the ice cream undisturbed. They all had a lovely time until the man who owned the ice cream van found them. Apparently, he was so suspicious-minded he'd had GPS tracking installed in all his vans. Ice cream van hijacking is more common than you would think. He wasn't angry at all once he realised that Nanny Piggins fully intended to pay for all the ice cream they'd eaten, which was literally all the ice cream. None of his vendors had ever sold a full van of ice cream before, so the driver was happy too because he immediately became employee of the month. But having given out Mr Green's credit card details and waved the nice ice cream sellers goodbye, only then did it occur to Nanny Piggins that they were a long way from home. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. It's getting late. We don't want to miss our dinner. 
Oh, but we just ate so much ice cream, groaned Samantha. She was lying on the nature strip because she was so sugar-addled she was incapable of standing. Yes, but ice cream is practically a liquid, said Nanny Piggins. It's definitely a liquid by the time it gets to your stomach, so your body metabolizes it much faster. We'll all get hungry again in five minutes. I don't think I can walk home, said Michael. He was sitting in the gutter, curled up in the fetal position. My legs are too full of ice cream to stand. Ah, yes, said Nanny Piggins. Ice cream legs is a common malady. It's like sea legs among pirates. You'll soon get used to it once your body's acclimatised to all the ice cream in your system. I know, why don't you tell us a story, said Derek. He was actually standing, but only because he was clutching on to a lamppost. That might take our minds off our stomachs as we walk. Good idea, said Nanny Piggins. I know, I'll tell you a story about a distant relative of mine whose father was a miller, and he was an even worse rotter than your father. Was he a criminal, asked Michael, perking up. He liked a good crime story. Not technically, said Nanny Piggins, although he used to tell the most criminally insane fibs. He loved to boast, you see. He was always telling everyone how good he was at everything and how everything he had was so wonderful. Most of the villagers just ignored him. They'd shove turnips in their ears and pretend to be deaf so they wouldn't have to listen to it. Is that why you often have turnips in your ears at breakfast time, asked Samantha, to avoid listening to father? Well, I wouldn't buy two turnips every week for any other reason, said Nanny Piggins. Anyway, one day the king of the entire kingdom was riding through the village. The miller couldn't believe it. He'd never boasted to a king before. So he rushed out into the street to stop the king and tell him how wonderful he was. But when he got there, the king was already talking to his daughter, Moira Piggins. The miller immediately started telling the king how his daughter was the most beautiful girl in the entire land. Now, as it turns out, this was actually true. She was staggeringly good looking. She was a Piggins, after all. But the miller couldn't leave it at that. He had to embellish. He boldly announced she was also the best spinner in the village. Again, this was actually true, but it didn't seem to impress the king at all. Spinning isn't really a great conversation starter. It's not a terribly interesting subject matter. So the miller took it one step further. He said that his daughter was so good at spinning that she could spin straw into... Gold? asked Derek. No, why do you say that, asked Nanny Piggins. Well, I've heard a similar story before, admitted Derek, about a girl who could spin straw into gold. Well, who'd be impressed by that, asked Nanny Piggins. You can take a nice nap on a pile of straw. It's actually a tremendously practical thing to have lying around. But you can't take a nap on a pile of gold. Well, you can, but it's terribly uncomfortable. The gold bars are always so lumpy and hard, and they're cold, so you never feel warm. No, the miller didn't boast about that. He boasted that his daughter could spin straw into something far more impressive. She could spin straw into chocolate cake. You should have seen that come into Michael chided Derek. It's the ice cream, said Derek, shaking his head. I wasn't thinking clearly. Now this caught the king's attention, said Nanny Piggins. Of course, it's only natural that he'd like a slice of chocolate cake. But it turns out that this king was a rotter too. 
It was terrible luck for my poor cousin to have a father and a visiting member of the royal family both be rotters. The king said, Really? Let's see if that's true. He took poor Moira back to his castle and took her to a room full of straw with a spinning wheel in the middle. He said that she had to spin all the straw into chocolate cake by morning, and if she didn't do it, then her father would be executed for telling whopping great big fibs. That's a very harsh punishment, said Michael. He told Fibs occasionally himself, usually about whether or not he'd brushed his teeth or taken a bath in the last week. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. People were brutal back in the olden story days, particularly kings. I think it's because they had to wear crowns all the time. They're not terribly comfortable, so all royalty permanently have headaches. Really, said Samantha, this actually explained a lot about the brutality of the last 3,000 years of European history. So the king locked poor Moira in the room without even a chocolate bar to sustain herself, said Nanny Piggins. And naturally, she did what all girls do in such circumstances. At least what they always did in the olden story days. She sat down and wept and wept. Can I weep too? asked Boris. He was already tearing up at the tragic tale. Of course, dear, said Nanny Piggins, but try to do it quietly. We don't want to startle any passing motorists and make them have car crashes. Now, where was I? said Nanny Piggins. Ah, yes. Moira was weeping when suddenly the most amazing thing happened. A strange little man appeared. He was about half the height of a regular man. He had tall, pointy ears, a long chin, a long nose, and great big feet. Moira was too polite to comment about any of this, because obviously a person's physical appearance shouldn't matter, but I thought I should tell you all this so you can paint a picture in your minds. The little man said, I will spin all this straw into chocolate cake for you. You will? asked Moira, optimistically hoping that despite looking odd, that this man was secretly really nice. Yes, said the little man, but what shall you give me in exchange? He wasn't so nice then, asked Derek. No, people are always taking advantage of young girls forced to perform magical feats to keep their parents alive, said Nanny Piggins sadly. But she did have a ring her father had given her, so Moira offered this to the strange man. He snatched up the ring and set to work, while Moira collapsed emotionally exhausted and went to sleep in the corner of the room. The little man worked all night spinning the straw into chocolate cake. When Moira awoke, the room was full of mud cake, sponge cake, sheet cake, all the chocolate cake varieties. It was stunning. Then the king opened the door, fully expecting to find a weepy girl and a lot of straw, so he could have a good fun day of executing a loud-mouthed miller, and he was stunned to see so many beautiful cakes. Now a nice king would at this point have said, I'm sorry to have doubted you. Well done. I'm very impressed. You can run along home now. But he wasn't nice, guessed Michael. No, kings just don't think that way, said Nanny Piggins. He'd already shoved one slice in his mouth and now he was chocolate cake crazed. He couldn't believe how good it was. He wanted more. So he locked Moira in a bigger room full of more straw and ordered her to do it again. Oh, what a rotter, wailed Boris. We all love cake, but where's the bare manity? Bear manatee? asked Derek. It's like humanity, explained Nanny Piggins, but more humane, because bears have a higher level of empathy. So anyway, again Moira wept, continued Nanny Piggins, and again the strange little man appeared. What would she give him this time? She did have a necklace that her mother had given to her before she died. Obviously she didn't want to part with it, but if she didn't, it would mean certain death for her father. And annoying as he was, she couldn't do that, so Moira promised to hand it over. 
Again she slept, again the strange little man spun, and in the morning the king opened the door and was astonished by the huge piles of cake. He couldn't believe it, and it was all so delicious. He wanted more. To be fair, the cake was so good, it would drive anyone crazy with cake longing. He grabbed poor Moira and shoved her into another room. This time it was a massive ballroom full of straw, and demanded that she spin it all into cake. Moira just started weeping straight away this time, but the king's offer was slightly different. This time, he promised, not only would he not kill her father, he would also marry Moira as well. Really? asked Derek, straight from a death threat to a marriage proposal. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. Talk about the least romantic proposal ever. But kings are never good at these things. Even in fairy tales, they never have anything witty or charming to say. They just get down on one knee and whip out a ring. The music swells. They never say anything clever at all. He didn't even offer her a honey sandwich, sobbed Boris. Wasn't there a window she could climb out of? asked Michael. No, sadly, castles are always built with really narrow windows, specifically to prevent fiancés escaping, said Nanny Piggins. Who knows how the stories of Cinderella, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty would have ended if that were not the case. So the king left, Moira wept, the strange man appeared, but this time Moira had nothing left to offer him. She had no more jewellery. But the strange man said that was all right. He would accept something else. He would spin the whole ballroom full of straw into chocolate cake if, after she married the king and had her first child, she gave the baby to him. What? said Michael. That's just crazy, said Samantha. I know, said Nanny Piggins. If you had the ability to transform straw into cake. Why would you want a baby? You'd be too busy eating cake. It doesn't make sense at all. But stories rarely do. Now, obviously, Moira did not want to agree to this, said Nanny Piggins. It was nuts. But she reasoned that even if the king married her, it would be at least nine months before she had a baby, possibly longer. And who knows what might happen before then? The strange man might forget about it or be killed in an avalanche of rubber chickens, or be swept away by an inland lemonade tsunami. It was worth the risk, so she agreed. Moira slept, the cake was spun, and when the king walked in the next morning, he dropped down on one knee and offered her a ring, while shoving cake into his mouth with the other hand. Moira rolled her eyes at the predictability of this cliché, But she accepted, because none of the other men back in the village were much chop either, so she might as well make do with the king. It doesn't sound like a very good way to start a relationship, said Samantha. No, agreed Nanny Piggins, but fortunately, on the first day they were married, the king suffered a nasty head injury. Really, said Derek. What sort of head injury, asked Michael. An anvil dropped on his head, said Nanny Piggins. You know, the big, heavy kind the blacksmiths use. It was terrible luck for the king, but it totally transformed his personality. And he was quite nice after that. So Moira, now Queen Moira, actually ended up having quite a happy marriage with him. A year later, she gave birth to their first child. She expected the strange little man to appear straight away, but he didn't. So she began to hope that perhaps he had forgotten. But when the baby turned one, the strange man did appear. He had cleverly waited until the baby was past that difficult-to-look-after age, with all the spoon-feeding and bottles and having to carry it everywhere. Typical man, avoiding all the hard bits. And he demanded that Moira hand the baby over right away. 
Myra begged and pleaded with him and offered him all kinds of riches, but the little man just laughed. He thought it was a tremendous joke to have a queen begging him. This little man enjoyed being cruel, so he saw a way he could draw this out longer. He said he would give her three days. If Queen Moira could guess his name in that time, then she could keep her baby. If not, then the child would be his immediately. So the strange man went away, and the queen hurried to get out a pen and paper, and she started writing down every name she could think of. John, James, Adam, Nigel, Scott, Thomas, all the obvious names first. When the man came back the next day, Queen Moira had 2,000 names written down, and she read them all out one at a time. But to each one, he'd just say no, laughing and giggling to himself. You'll have to try harder if you're going to work out my name, he said with delight before disappearing into the night. So the next day, the queen spent all her time thinking of unusual names. Reuben, Bartholomew, Atticus, linseed oil, compass, toilet brush. That's not a name, Michael pointed out. Not to us, said Nanny Piggins. But perhaps this strange little man had a mother with a very odd sense of humour. But when she tried them all out on the man that night, none of these names were right either. The Queen had just one more day to find the right one. She sent for the palace guards and ordered them to travel on the swiftest horses as far as they could in one day, looking for different names. It turns out this was a brilliant idea, because one of the guards, when he was coming home, was running late, so he took a shortcut through the woods. Oh no, not the woods, well, Boris. All the worst things happen in woods. And in the middle of the woods, he came across a strange cottage with a strange little man gleefully dancing around and singing, Tonight, tonight, my plans I make, tomorrow, tomorrow, the baby I take, the queen will never win the game, for Rumpelstiltskin is my name. The guard reported this back to the queen. She knew she had the right name now. When the little man appeared that night, he was bursting with excitement because he thought he was about to get the baby. Give me the baby! Give me the baby! he demanded, trying to snatch it right out of the queen's arms. Not yet, said the queen. You haven't given me a chance to guess your name. The little man laughed. You'll never guess. You might as well give me the baby now. Is it bath salt? asked the queen. No! laughed the man. Is it oregano? asked the queen. No! cackled the man. Is it foot rot? asked the queen. No! squealed the man. Is it Rumpelstiltskin? she asked. The strange little man looked like he'd swallowed a rock. His eyes bulged. His face turned red. Then he suddenly screamed with rage. How did you know? No, no, no! He threw the biggest temper tantrum ever seen before or since in all of history. Even bigger than when you see two-year-olds throw a tantrum at their supermarkets when their mothers won't let them push the shopping trolley into the ankles of the elderly customers, asked Boris. Worse than that, said Danny Piggins. He shook his fists. He stomped his feet so hard that the ground opened up in a huge crack and he fell in and was never seen again. Wow, that's a dramatic ending, said Derek. I know, said Nanny Piggins. I think my dear cousin Moira may have embellished that bit, but you can't begrudge her some artistic license. In all other regards, it's a tremendous yarn. So Queen Moira and the baby and the king, who was much pleasanter since his head injury, 
all lived happily ever after. The king never again tried to get his wife to spin straw into cake. He learned how to bake a cake for himself in the kitchen like a normal person. And the queen never again promised to give her baby away, no matter how annoying her father was. The end time for bed. But we're still miles from home, said Samantha. Oh yes, said Nanny Piggins. Well, we'd better hurry up and get there faster if we're going to go to bed. Oh look, a pizza delivery car. Let's commandeer that. So Nanny Piggins leapt into the road and commandeered a pizza delivery car and they all got a lift home with a very kind driver while eating as much margarita pizza as their stomachs could take, which was a surprising amount after all that walking. The driver didn't mind as he said he'd have to drive to their house anyway they ordered so it didn't make any difference to him. So they all lived happily ever after. The end. That's it from me. Thank you for listening. To support this podcast, just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from, from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the audiobook of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes Girl Detective as well. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.